Today we begin a series on the daily choice of gratitude. The daily choice of gratitude. Today we think about daily choosing to trust God. Our text for today is from Joshua, the third chapter, beginning in verse 5. Joshua, chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. I invite you to follow as I read God's word. Then Joshua addressed the people. Sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow God will work miracle wonders among you. Joshua instructed the priest to take up the chest of the covenant and to step out before the people. So they took it up and processed before the people. God said to Joshua, This very day I will begin to make you great in the eyes of all Israel. They'll see for themselves that I am with you in the same way that I was with Moses. You will command the priests who are carrying the chest of the covenant. When you come to the edge of the Jordan's waters, stand there on the river bank. Then Joshua addressed the people of Israel. Attention, listen to what God, your God, has to say. This is how you'll know that God is alive among you. He will completely dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Look at what's what's before you, the chest of the covenant. Think of it. The master of the entire earth is crossing the Jordan as you watch. Now take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests carrying the chest of God, master of all the earth, touch the Jordan's water, the flow of the water will be stopped. The water coming down from upstream will pile up in a heap. That's what happened, and that's what happened. The people left their tents to cross the Jordan, led by the priests carrying the chest of the covenant. When the priests got to the Jordan and their feet touched the water at the edge, the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest. The flow of the water stopped. It piled up in a heap a long way off at Adam, which is near Zarethan. The river went dry all the way down to Arabah the sea, the salt sea. The people crossed facing Jericho. And there they stood, those priests carrying the chest of the covenant stood firmly planted on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground. Finally, the whole nation was across the Jordan and not one wet foot. May God bless the reading of his word. This is the word of God for the people of God on this Lord's day. Thanks be to God. Joshua is about to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River. They are about to begin the process of possessing the land of promise, the land God had promised to them. And they are standing on the edge of the waters. Someone said, people have been standing on the edge of the water for thousands of years and wondering what to do. Water can be pretty scary. Some of you will remember the tsunami that hit northeastern Japan in 2011, causing incredible destruction and damage. Just this year, we have watched the reports of the hurricanes which hit Texas and Florida and the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. 
walls of water coming ashore. Flooding unlike anything we've seen before, maybe even worse than the flood of 93. Many people lost their lives in these events. Thousands of people lost their homes and their businesses. Several of our members were in Texas recently helping with the recovery effort. It's going to go on for years, this recovery effort. See, people are still standing at the water's edge and wondering what to do. The same is true for the children of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River. Like their ancestors on the edge of the Red Sea, they're wondering how they're ever going to get across. And now as they stand before the land of promise, Moses is dead. He can't lift his hands to part the sea. The Jordan River today is not as large as it was in biblical times. That's because there are a lot more people there. (laughs) And the water that comes from northern Israel, the sources of the Jordan River, is pulled off to support the population of the nation of Israel. But even in, Jordan's, in Joshua's day, the Jordan River could have been crossed pretty easily during the dry season. But they're standing before the river in the wet season, in the springtime when the waters are deep and swollen, and the, and the scripture says, well beyond the banks of the Jordan River. They stand at the water's edge, but God is with them. And he has just made a promise to their new leader, Joshua. He has said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And you see, Moses' generation is passing away. And Joshua's generation is just beginning. So God begins to move Joshua into leadership, and he promises that he's going to be with him. Now, the truth is, leaders have to lead. You saw the hat that the guy was wearing and said, which way did they go? I'm their leader. Um, If you're not leading, you're really not a leader. And in this case, the religious leaders have to lead the way for the people. Joel Barker is a futurist. He defines a leader as someone we choose to follow to a place we wouldn't go by ourselves. Someone we choose to follow to a place we would not go by ourselves. You see, people soon get a sense about their leaders and what drives them. And they are fearful of leaders that are motivated by ambition or greed or fame. The people saw in Joshua someone who would who lived with an awareness of God's presence and God's power. So what does Joshua tell the Israelites to do? Joshua says, draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. We begin by listening. Listening. Joshua says, stand still and hear the words of God. Listen to what God is saying. He tells the people to fall in formation behind God, not to march ahead of God, but to fall in behind Him. This is demonstrated when the people set out from their tents and the priests bear the Ark of the Covenant in front of the people. 
You see, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest of the covenant, as the message describes it, was the symbol of the presence and power of God with this people. God is moving ahead of his people. Truth is, we're challenged to do the same today. We are challenged to listen for the word from God and to follow where God leads. You see, God really wants to guide us in the path that is best for us. He has a plan for us. When Moses shared God's command to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, that, was meant, that, that meant that working seven days a week was not good for us, not good for our families, not good for our relationship with God. When Isaiah said, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow, he reminds them that, and us, that we're supposed to care for the vulnerable people in our communities. When Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you, he is saying that the destruction of our rivals and our opponents is unacceptable behavior for his disciples. You see, all of this stuff, all of the law, all of the teachings, was meant to help us, not hurt us. Keeping the Sabbath gives us time for rest and renewal. Caring for the poor in our community makes the community a better place to live. And loving our enemies breaks the cycle of violence and revenge. We begin listening to God because we trust Him. And we trust His Word. And we trust His direction for our lives. We listen for a word from God because we trust God. We trust Him. And after listening, we're supposed to move forward. One step at a time. We are to watch and wait for what God will do both in us and through us. The scripture says, Those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark stepped into the edge of the water, and the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap. When they stepped into the river, it stopped flowing. It stopped flowing. You know, the Jordan River has been blocked several times through recorded history and maybe many times before that. When earthquakes have brought cliffs of clay into the river, damming it up. In fact, an Arab historian reported on one of those events in 1267. He said it stopped the flow of the Jordan River for 16 hours. A similar event happened in 1927 when a 150-foot cliff collapsed across the river and held back the water from Jericho for 21 hours. During that time, people crossed and recrossed the riverbed on foot. You see, the miracle may not so much be in how God accomplished this as when he accomplished it. Have you ever noticed that God has really good timing? He has great timing. He is right there when we need him. When the priests dipped their feet into the edge of the water, God acted on their behalf. The waters rose up in a heap, stopped the flow clear to the Dead Sea. 
when the people crossed, and then the people crossed over near Jericho. We are called to take a step of faith as well. We listen for a word from God, and then we choose to trust God every day. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. The first step. When I was pastoring in St. Louis, I used to tell our staff, we don't have to get there today. We just have to make sure we're headed in the right direction. That we're going where God wants us to go. You see, in what way are we being asked to step into the, to the water that God has set before us? You don't have to see the whole staircase, just the first step. You take a step of faith, a first step, and you discover God is faithful. God is faithful. We're in the early stage of the implementation of our setting sail strategy. I really like our strategy. I can't take any credit for it. I was the interim pastor in Kirkwood during most of the year when we were identifying our five sails. But I really like them. I believe they were given to us by God. And we've been listening and seeking God's direction for our ministry. And now is the time for us to demonstrate our faith and our confidence in God as we step into that future, as we take those first steps. You see, trust and faith are about the future, not the past. Joshua tells us that after the people had crossed the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the middle of the Jordan. The soles of the priests' feet touched dry ground, and the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. As soon as the people crossed the river, it started flowing again. God's wall against the water was not a permanent barrier. It was a temporary wall that allowed the Israelites to cross the river. And if the Israelites had looked back, they might have seen the rushing river. They might have seen the flood stage again. It might have caused them to be afraid. It's back at a flood stage. The challenge is to keep our eyes on the future and where God is leading us, what he is calling us to do, what he's calling us to be. You know, it would be easy for a congregation which is 180 years old to stay focused on the past, our history. We have a wonderful history. But the truth is, that would be a mistake. You know, I was a member of this church for 13 years before Doyle asked me to be the interim administrator. I didn't fully understand how long the interim was going to last But I plan to be a part of this church long after I'm a member of the staff. Betty Jo and I are planning to retire in this community sometime before too long. She's already picked out where she's going to bury me. (laughs) I plan to be here for the duration. And I think God has a lot of stuff planned for our church. I think he has some plans in place for us. Following Christ is about staying focused on the future and all that God has planned for us. If we're granted a physical healing, we give thanks and we move forward, 
we don't expect to never deal with illness again. If we receive a gift of forgiveness, we give thanks and move forward. We don't beat ourselves up over our past sins or allow ourselves to be overcome with regrets. If we receive a new job or a new opportunity, we give thanks and move forward. We don't obsess over our mistakes of the past. Once we are safe on the other side of the river, we are continue moving forward into the future that God has planned. We cannot allow ourselves to be consumed by the past. But when we make that journey, we have to remember that our security comes from the God who walks alongside us into that future. He gives us exactly what we need every day. No more, no less. Like the children of Israel, we are challenged to walk by faith into the future, knowing that we will still face risk, we'll still face challenges, but we are surrounded by the presence and power of God. When we face raging rivers, God throws up a wall. He often takes the very circumstances that sometimes seem to stand in the way of our progress and reconfigures them so that we can proceed and move forward. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan, the water was still there. But God had simply taken what was a barrier and turned it into a door to the land of promise. The wall against the water is not a barrier. Instead, it is a door. A door that allowed them to pass into the future God had planned for them. For many of us, stewardship is a matter of trust. Do we really trust God? Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Stewardship is a step of faith. Sacrificial giving happens because we have learned we can trust God. Just as God led the way for his people as they possessed the land of promise, he leads us as well. It's a, it's a journey of faith. We learn to trust God. We trust God because he's been faithful. He's been faithful. You know, the people were told to keep their distance from the Ark of the Covenant. About a thousand yards or a Sabbath day's journey. They were not to come too close. You see, there, it, it is an awesome and frightening thing in some ways to follow God. And it's important for us not to lose our sense of awe and reverence as we follow God. Each new experience requires not only courage, but, but maybe a sense of caution. God is about something special in this place. And he has invited us to be a part of it. Something miraculous lies before us. You know, the Hebrew does not say Jehovah is or that Jehovah exists. He talks about what Jehovah does. Jehovah is known by what he does. And they are urged to live with that sense of wonder that comes from watching what God does. To be eager, alert, and expectant for what God is going to do in and through our lives. We need to rediscover 
that lost sense of wonder. When we lose sight of a God who can do the miraculous, we tend to meet frustration and despair. Our actions seem futile. The truth is, God is greater than we imagine. And he has greater things in store for our tomorrows. He has greater things in store. We must decide how we will live. That's why we're talking about the daily choice of gratitude. We get to choose how we live. The hope of the world ultimately lies in the hands of those who believe in a God who is able to do the impossible and the incredible. When we lose this faith, life is overrun with cynicism. Verse 10 says, By this you shall know that the living God is among you. God is both personal and active in our world and in our affairs, in our lives. He was known by the Hebrews by what he did. We often talk about what God is like. But we sometimes forget that the story of the Bible is a story of redemption. In reality, it is the story of God. It's God's story. When we struggle and agonize and toil over a better day, God struggles and agonizes with us. Someone wrote, The Almighty is never caught off guard. He is never surprised. He knew that the wilderness through which the Israelites passed was uncharted, so he sent a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. He knew that they would be hungry in the desert, so he sent quail and manna. He knew that they would be thirsty in the desert, so he led them to the springs in the hills. You see, divine anticipation is written on every page of human history. The history of God's story. A story of God's activity on our behalf. What God is doing for us. You see, he knew it would get cold and he put fuel in the earth. He knew we would dread the dark, so he gave us light. He knew we would be lonely, so he gave us family and friends. He knew we wouldn't sin, so he sent a Savior. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 65, Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. We can trust God. We can trust God. You can trust Him. You can trust Him every day. In fact, you have the privilege of choosing to trust Him every day. Joshua and the children of Israel learned once again they could trust God. Every generation has to learn it. All of us have to learn it. The longer that I have lived, the more that I have experienced, the more I am confident I can trust God. I can trust God. What God begins, He finishes. He has no unfinished task. He never leaves life at loose ends. Much of what we attempt goes unfinished and unfulfilled. What we accomplish lags a long ways behind what we plan. But that's not the way God is. We may grow weary, but God is active and moving to accomplish His purposes every day until they're fulfilled. 
You can choose to trust God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we confess the fact that sometimes we have failed to trust you. Trust you with little things and trust you with big things in our lives. But today we come seeking your forgiveness and your grace. Asking that you would help us to once again choose to trust you. With our lives, with our futures, with every tomorrow that we come to. Father, in this moment of response, I pray that your spirit would have freedom in our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.